You're listening to the Centre Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message recorded live from our Burgess Hill campus. As you are all aware, we're right now going through this series of Who is God? And through our life groups and really, um, yeah, I guess through our life groups, we've been talking about the natural attributes of God. Um, and I don't get into the fancy names because I like to keep it simple. But what we did discuss in regards to the natural attributes of God is really that he is everywhere, right? That he is all-knowing, that he is all-powerful, and that God never changes. And so our life groups have been really, really encouraging, just being reminded of those truths. Because let's be honest, when we're doing life, sometimes we forget that, right? So these natural attributes... Then we've been talking about moral attributes of God. And so far, I think in life groups, we've discussed about the righteousness of God and also that God is truth. Um, And again, I I appreciated what Donna said. It's like sometimes we may feel something different than what God's word says, but we need to line up our lives with God's word because it's truth. And, And then Sunday mornings, there's been a variety of things. We've been talking about the names of God. And so far we have talked about God who is Father. Actually, though, I don't know if you've talked about God as Father here. We did in Brighton. But God the healer. God is good, right? God who is provider. And this morning we're going to talk about the God who sees. The God who sees. And I think in all of, um, all of us at some point in our lives, in our Christian journey, have thought, does God even see me? Right? Does he even see the situation that I'm in? I think if we were really honest, we would all say, yeah, there's been moments like that in my life. When we first moved to England two and a half years ago, and I've, I've shared this story with maybe many of you, um, but Eden was three weeks into school, and she had a fit. And I remember the the, the day uh, Kyla and I were at home, and we were um, just decorating the new property that we were living in, and I got a phone call from the school, and they basically said, we just want you to know that an ambulance is on the way because Eden has had a fit. And at first, I didn't know, like, what are they talking about? Because it was different terminology than what I was used to from Canada. And so Joy got on the phone with me and really explained the situation. I clued in, and we were only two minutes away from the school, so we got to the school, and Eden had already had the fit, and she was just laying there. But I remember walking into the room, and it was like it wasn't even my child. It was one of those situations where, like, what is going on? And so they took her to to the hospital. They ran a number of tests, sent her home, booked some appointments for down the road. Three weeks later, almost to the day, Eden had been disco- had remembered some things that happened just before she had the fit in school. And one of those things was numbness in her lip. And so Sunday morning, almost three weeks later to the day, she comes into our bedroom first thing in the morning, and she says, I have that feeling in my lip again. I think something's going to happen. And so we're like, okay. So we, we said, well, why don't you just come sit down on the bed and we'll just pray with you. And just kind of within that moment, 
she started having another fit. And so we just kind of made sure the safe, the place was safe. And, uh, and at that time, we prayed her through that particular moment. And it was significantly less than the time when she had it at school. And so obviously, once again, we contacted the doctors and let them know what was going on, and she had her tests. And basically, um, long story short, she, the doctors cleared her of any medical problems. They really, um, I guess, chalked it up as there was a lot of stress and there was a lot of anxiety and a lot of change that was going on in her life. And so this was what caused those things. We, of course, obviously had many people praying and really feel that God um, brought healing to her body. And we're so thankful for those prayers. And through the whole sort of situation, um, Eden really learned a lot about herself. And I think even as us as parents, we learned something um, as well. And, and now she knows the signs to look for when she is getting anxious or stressed or worried or all of these sorts of things. And so she's really grown in her walk in the Lord in this time as well. So what really was a difficult situation turned out to be just a real um, growing time that I think has really benefited us as a family. And so, but in that, in that time, I remember thinking, you know, God, do you see what's going on here? Because I wasn't, like, in the moment, I'm freaking out. Like, right now, you know, looking back at the story, I'm able to say how the Lord was with us in it. But in the moment, it wasn't necessarily just all peaceful and wonderful and everything's going to be okay. You're freaking out. It's your daughter. I remember sitting right here that one Sunday morning after her second fit, and I, I remember just crying and just being like, what is going on, Lord? It was kind of one of those times where I said, we've come all the way from Canada to England, and this is not part of the plan, right? This is, this is not what we signed up for. We signed up for ministry and adventure and, and spending time with new people, but we didn't sign up for this. So what's going on? Do you see what's going on? And I just remember in that moment, um, him reminding me that he didn't make this happen, but was with us in it. And he saw our concern. He saw our troubled and hurting hearts in that moment. And this morning, we're not going to read right away from this, um, but we're going to be looking at Genesis 16, 1 to 13. It's the story of Abram and Sarai, whom are married, and Hagar, their maidservant. And so often when we read this story, and, and um, you can actually leave it off for a second, Tom. Often when we read this story, we, we talk about Abram and Sarah's lack of trusting God to fulfill his promise that he declared to them earlier. In Genesis 15, Abram is promised that he will receive a son, right? Um, and I won't go into all of those details, but we, we often read that out of this story. We talk about walking in God's timing, which I recognize at times is easier said than done, his, his timing in our lives. We, we also talk about in this particular passage often, um, just the possible consequences. There were, there were consequences, um, for Abram and Sarah because of their actions that they took. So we sometimes talk about those things. And we also talk about how God is always faithful 
to fulfill his promise in our lives as he eventually did in the life of Abram and Sarah. And we see that God did give Abram and Sarah a son, but it came 13 years after Ishmael was born and 24 years after the initial promise. So if you're hanging on to a promise and it isn't happening, just think about these characters. They were waiting 24 years. So hang in there. You can do it. Hopefully God is like accelerating what he's doing in your life. Um, but hang on because he does have a perfect promise for you. You know, they tried to make something happen, right? In their timing. It was in a sense, it was, they, they, they did it by, with their human might instead of allowing God to step in and do what he wanted to do. But this morning, I want to talk about Hagar, the maidservant of Sarah. I think for, for the sake of time, I'm not going to read through the first, uh, the chapter 16, 1 to 13. Um, we'll just, we'll just skip that part for the sake of time. But essentially what's happening is Sarah doubts God's promise to them. So she takes the situation into her own hands. And what she thought would be a good idea, it backfires and becomes jealous of and mistreats her maidservant. And for this reason, Hagar flees. That essentially, in a nutshell, is what's happening in this story. And if you'd like to read that sort of maybe after the service or something, that would be that would be great. Really, Hagar has done nothing wrong, right? Culturally, this was, this was a common practice, what happened. Yet, she's the one who suffers. And it's in this place that God meets with her. It's in her time of, of pain, in her time of hurt, in her time of frustration, in her time of confusion, even in her time of obedience, right, that she makes this statement. It's really interesting, right? She's done nothing wrong. She's actually been obedient. I think, huh, I was being obedient when the Lord asked us to move to England, and yet still things happen that I would have rather not happen though we've grown through it. So even in obedience, sometimes things don't always go as planned because God wants to develop something in us. But it's in this moment that she makes this statement. You are the El Roe, the God who sees. But not just the God who sees, but she takes it a step further to, but the God who sees me. I mean, it's one thing to say that God, God sees. It's a completely different story when you can say the God who sees me. Little old me, right? It's this, this statement that you haven't abandoned me. You're not distant or removed, but you're with me in this. You're smack dab in the center of this horrible situation that I'm facing. And an interesting fact is Hagar is the only person in Scripture 
to name God, which I think is pretty cool. I mean, that's a pretty significant revelation to have that, God, you see me, and he's like, hey, I'm going to like make sure this is recorded, that I'm the God who sees, because I think what has been revealed to you is pretty amazing. So she's the one that gets to name God, the only one that has got to name God. I want you to, to know that God did not only see her, but he sees us. He sees you and me this morning. Right? We serve a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So as God sees and saw Hagar, he sees us right now, right where we're at. Tomorrow, yesterday, he sees us. He's with us. As I reflected on, I guess, this truth this past week, I couldn't help but, but be encouraged on how God um, is so aware of where we've been, where we are, and where we're going. He's aware of all of that. And he sees the good and the bad and the ugly, right? He sees all of that stuff. Even the things that we feel we have done nothing wrong, and life is just not going as we hoped or thought it would. He sees us in that. So my story regarding Eden is an example of this. And here, in the life of Hagar, we see this. Hagar was simply being obedient to her mistress, and then she's mistreated for it. But as we read in the story, God responds. He responds to her, and he responds to us today. So the first kind of point that I want to make today is that God searches for you. God searches for you. In verse 7, it says, The angel of the Lord found Hagar near a spring in the desert. And the truth is that despite what is going on, God's love for you is simply too big for him to just leave you, leave you on your own. It's too big just to go, I don't have time for this situation. It's too big, or, you know, I, his love is too big to just kind of go, I'm just going to, well, there's just so much other stuff going on that I'm just going to leave, leave Hagar on her own. There's so much going on right now as God's speaking. There's just so much going on in the world. I don't have time for the stuff you're dealing with. No, his love is so big for us that he is able to manage it all. Every little thing that's going on, he's able to be and he wants to be right smack dab in the center of it. His love is so big that he doesn't just leave us on our own. He goes after you because his desire is always to be journeying with you. It's like he searched for Hagar. He searches for us. He pursues you because his desire is to be in relationship with one another. When things happen in life, we often have two options, I always think. We allow God to take the situation and use it for a greater good, or we become bitter. You know, I think moving here in the story with Eden, it's like I could have taken that situation and could have, and, and could have decided, you know what, God? Enough. Enough is enough. 
we've given up a lot and this is what we get. Come on, right? But, and I know that sounds silly, but things like that happen in our minds. We start talking that kind of talk and, um, and we, we really do have a couple choices. Are we going to allow it to, for that situation to make us bitter or are we going to allow that situation to grow us and make us better ultimately? And so there's a movie called God's Not Dead 2. And, uh, there's, a, it's basically a school teacher in America and she's brought into question about sharing Jesus with her students. And there's a number of details that I'm going to leave out. If you want to check the movie out, it's pretty decent. God's Not Dead 2. There's obviously a God's Not Dead 1. Um, but she feels, um, she's doing the right thing. And yet <coughs> everything seems to be falling apart. She loses her job. She loses friends. She's in court. And there's just a lot of challenges that she's facing. And in all of this, she has moments of running. But God finds her in these moments of running and reaffirms that he sees what is happening and that he is with her in it. And I won't tell you the end of the story in case you want to watch it this afternoon, just after you read Genesis 16, 1 to 13. But God searches for you. And in this particular story, God searched for Hagar. And in this movie that I watched, God searched for this school teacher when she tried to run. And God searches for us in our, in our moments. The second way God responds is by caring about where you have come from and where you're going. So God cares. In uh, verse 8, it says, And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarai, where have you come from and where are you going? So to me, this is slightly humorous, right? As the angel of the Lord would have completely known what was going on, right? So really, this was not a question that the angel needed information on, but a question Hagar needed to ask herself. Right? It's even the story in Genesis 3. After Adam and Eve eat the fruit and, and, uh, and God's like, where are you? Obviously he knew exactly where they were, but he was asking them, where are you at in your heart? What's going on? Let's talk. Let's work through this. I found in my own life, whether I believe an injustice has happened to me or if I am simply in the wrong, these are questions that I need to be asking myself. So back in 2004, um, Kyla and I moved to a small community in rural Alberta, Canada, 400 people. When we moved there, it was the first week of January. It was minus 30, and it was just not nice. And we didn't know anybody, and basically on a Sunday morning, if you wanted some chewing gum, there was nothing open. You just... It was one of those places where um, in order to know that people actually lived there, you had to go for a drive at night so you could see the lights on in people's houses. That's just how kind of uh, destitute uh, it was. So anyhow, we've moved to this small town, and we've been there for about nine months. And Eden was about a year old, and it was my first position as a youth pastor. And Kyla was working through some things as well. 
And, um, and we were working through some things in our marriage and everything was new. We had been married for four years. This was our first time in a, in a different, um, location. And we were quite away from family and really didn't know anybody at all. And, um, one day, Kyle and I after church, um, got into this argument. And it was probably about something really silly, though it still needed to be worked through, but it escalated in a real hurry. And so much so that I walked out. Now, I didn't walk out in the sense of like, I'm never coming back, but it was one of those moments where, I don't know, like, has any guys ever like got in your car and drove like a madman because you're mad at something? Like, not smart, like don't do that, but I did that lots. And, uh, but in this situation, I've gotten a little bit wiser. And so instead of getting in the car, you know, Kyla might even said, you're not going in the car. She might have said that. I'm not sure. But I didn't jump in the car, but I, I just started walking. Um, and I just started walking around town and, uh, just going like, what is going on here? Like, this is crazy. And I guess I felt the Lord asked me this question, right? Where have you come from and where are you going? Right? I mean, it's a great question to ask yourself. And like Hagar, I was able to answer the first question, but couldn't answer the second question. And to be completely honest, um, my response was more like, where, like, where do you think I just came from? Right? I, which I think probably was Hagar's tone of voice as well. Like, what are you, like, why are you asking me this question? Like, wh- where do you think I've just come from? Right? I mean, you found me, so you must know what's been going on prior to this, this moment. Right? Then I realized that this was not what he was get, trying to get at. He knew where I was, where, where I just was, you know, five minutes ago. This was not what he was trying to get at. In that moment, I was really able to take a quick survey of my life and where I hoped it would go. It was one of those moments. And, uh, And I, I really felt like my life is certainly better in your hands than in my own hands. And, you know, Job 28, 24 says, For he looks to the ends of the earth and sees everything under the heavens. And it, so it was in that moment that I was like, I'm definitely better off journeying with you because you know every single thing the, the end, the beginning, everything in between. So I'm certainly better off to be journeying with you, even though some of these, some moments will be very, very challenging. But you're the God who sees, and so I'm going to trust that, right? And, and so it was that moment where I was like, God just wanted to converse with me. He wanted to show that he cares. And, and I guess what I, got from that, and what I want you to hear this morning is that when God asks you a question, usually it's not because he wants to hear himself, but because he wants you to work through it. He He's not really interested in just hearing his own voice, but he wants to ask us questions so we can take moments to begin to ask ourselves that question and wrestle with what's going on. The third way God responds is by saying Trust me through this. So verse 9, it says, Go back to your mistress and submit to her. Which makes absolutely no sense. 
If you read through the story before you watch God's Not Dead 2, you'll see that it just doesn't make sense. I mean, she's being mistreated. Why would you go back to that? And yet here lies the beauty of God, right? He meets us in our, in our moment of frailty. And in that moment, he offers us hope. He offers us encouragement and his presence to face the challenges, as, challenges ahead. She was in the desert alone and the angel of the Lord meets with her. And I think it's in that moment that she receives this courage, this strength to face what it's going to be like going back to where she potentially is going to be mistreated. Second Chronicles 16.9 says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. Another word for committed could easily be the Lord strengthens those whose hearts are fully trusting in him. There's another movie that I've watched recently. It's called Courageous. And uh, it's another Christian movie. And just in case you're thinking, well, oh, that dude, that pastor guy just watches Christian movies. No, I watch other movies as well. Um, but these two movies, there's some really great stories in them and just kind of what's going on. And uh, there's this one particular guy. He's a Spanish guy in the movie. He's really funny. And uh, he has lost his job. And then he gets, then he gets a job through a series of events. And in this new job, he's sitting down with the boss. And I guess he's not really offered the job immediately, but he sits down with the boss and the boss says, we want you to oversee this department because it seems like you have the qualifications. And, uh, and so basically, he's like, okay, well, that sounds really great. And the boss says, but what I need you to do is there's going to be eight crates that get delivered. I'm not sure what's in the crates, but there's eight crates that are going to be delivered. And what you need to record is that only seven came in. So I don't want you to give me an answer right now, but I want you to go home and I want you to think about this. I think you're the right guy for the job. I think that you have the right qualifications. But what we need you to do to be a part of this team is say there's seven crates instead of eight crates. So he goes home and he talks it over with his wife. And really, at the end of the day, he has every reason to go along with it. He's jobless, right? So he needs, he needs work because he wants to provide for his family. He wants to, to make sure he's paying the bills. He, he wants to obviously please this boss, right? So there's a lot of things that are going on in his life in that moment of why it would probably be a good idea just to go along with the plan that the boss has. So he wrestles with it a little bit more, and the next morning he wakes up and goes and meets with the boss, and basically the boss says, so have you made a decision? And, uh, and the guy's like, yeah, made a decision. And he just said, um, I'm sorry, I just, I can't take the job because um, I just can't lie. I just, I can't say that there's only going to be seven crates when actually there were eight crates. 
And so in that moment, the boss stands up and shakes his hand and basically says, well, you're the man for the job. We were looking for somebody that had integrity. We were looking for somebody that had character. We were looking for somebody that would be able to make the tough decisions and, um, and not sort of, um, you know, be integral in this situation. Hagar had every reason not to go back, but she trusted God. She had every reason not to go back. This guy had every reason not to, 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 to just say, yeah, I'll just, uh, I'll just, I'll, I'll lie. But he decided to trust God because he was a man of faith. It's a Christian movie. And, and, uh, and God was faithful in that situation with him. So Hagar, she trusts God as well. And we see that God blesses her in that. In this story, we actually see that this man was blessed by the decision that he made to be integral, to be a man of character. Which leads me, I guess, to my last point, which is God responds with blessing. So God sees us, and if we trust him in it, if we allow him to care for us in it, he'll bless us through it. And so verse 10, it says, I will so increase your descendants that they will be too numerous to count. In many ways, Hagar would have thought, how is there hope and blessing for me? I'm on my own from this point forward. Really, again, in that culture, in that context, she would have been completely on her own. Right? She was right in her in potentially saying, how is this going to work out? Because it would have been extremely difficult. Naturally speaking, she had everything working against her, right? She was going to be mistreated. There was just going to be a, a number of really negative things that were going to be taking place to her. But she had God working for her. Ultimately, she had God working for her. Two incredibly fantastic and encouraging words for you today, for us, are always, but God. But God. Because whenever we're facing difficult situations, we can know that God is with us. And we can say, but God. Because when God is on your side, the God who sees you, you can be sure that things are going to turn around. And even if they don't turn around immediately, know that he is with you in that, that he's journeying with you, that you can trust him, that there will be blessing, that, that he cares for you in it. It may not always look how we think it should look. It may not always come together how we imagined it to come together. But when we obey his leading, when you allow him to enter into your place of struggle, frustration, of heartache, blessing is the only outcome. And I really believe that when we say, but God, and maybe when you're in the moments of heartache and frustration and all, it's really hard to, to sort of trust that truth that God wants to bless you, to trust that, that reality that he's developing and growing something in you in this moment. He didn't cause it, but he wants to develop things in your life. Romans 8.28 says, 
And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. So if your situation isn't good yet, God's not done yet. Because he works all things for good. So if you're not in a place of good yet, then he's not done doing what he wants to accomplish in your life. Because I believe his promise for us is good. And so he's not done yet if it's not good yet. If you don't feel seen by God today, know that he sees you. Not necessarily because I told you, even this morning as Donna was sharing briefly the scripture that she shared with us, it was obviously she was speaking God's word and she was, and in many ways it's like, don't believe what I'm saying, believe what God's saying through his word. Because his word is truth. And in the same way, this whole idea of God sees, it's yes, me sharing a message, but ultimately it's God's word that is truth for our lives today. And because his word, um, because his word doesn't lie, and because uh, he's a God of truth. And I think even this, this campus, this past week in, in the life group, talked about God is truth. And next week, we get to talk about God is truth in Brighton. Why don't we stand this morning, and I'm going to call Tom up. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast at Centre Church. One church, passionately loving God and people, in Burgess Hill and Brighton. To get the latest news or for any other information, check out our website at www.centrechurch.uk.